Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you might remember back in March, I posted an episode called Anxiety Strikes Back, and I talked about struggling with anxiety and having a particularly bad anxiety panic attack flare up that had been building for a long time, but kind of crescendoed at the beginning of this year. And I shared in that episode that I was supposed to go on a work trip to Portland, Oregon, but I didn't go because I just felt like I was having enough trouble getting through a typical day just at home, going to work, and I couldn't imagine bringing that on the road. I really couldn't imagine getting on a six or seven hour flight, you know, being in a crowded airport or convention center. So um, since then, over the past six months, I found a new therapist who has been incredibly helpful. I talk about her in episode 27, um, and and I've been kind of slowly getting my nervous system a bit more at an equilibrium most of the time anyway. And so it was pretty incredible that I actually went on this trip to Montana. I live in New Jersey on the East Coast, so I flew to Missoula, which is like 2,000 miles away. Um, and I went to go visit my boyfriend, Martin, who has been living and working near Missoula um, for the past, well, since May. And he also worked there uh, May through October of last year. And so we've spent a good deal of time apart and I hadn't seen him in like three months. So it took some, you know, like calming self-talk, but I got there and I wanted to share my 10 tips, tricks, and tools for traveling with anxiety. Because if you experience a lot of anxiety too, then you know that, you know, you can't just leave it at home. It, it comes with you. <laughs> and um, But that doesn't mean that we can't travel. Um, there are ways to manage it. And obviously, there are times in your life where maybe that's just too much. Like for me, in March, it was too much. But if you're in a place where you uh, really want to travel, you're, you're getting ready for a trip, and you're just looking for some ways to help manage your anxiety while you're traveling, I hope that this can be helpful. So my first tip is to practice breathing. Sometimes I know that when I'm really anxious, I can find it difficult to breathe. (laughs) It can feel hard to take a full, deep breath. I notice that I'm holding my breath without realizing it, or just a lot of my breaths are kind of shallow or kind of like all up high in my chest, and it can feel difficult to get a nice, full, deep breath breath from my diaphragm. And so it's something that I practice regularly. And if you can start to practice it just in your daily life, then when you're on a plane or on a train in a crowded bus stop or something, um, you can fall back on those breathing practices that you've formed some muscle memory around. And I will just say that if you feel discouraged because you find it difficult, I'm right there with you. I used to get like frustrated and angry when someone would suggest taking a deep breath because I was like, I can't. (laughs) Um, I've been practicing pretty consistently for like over a year now and it's still not like easy for me. So I think it takes time and it takes patience, but don't, don't get mad at yourself. You know, it it really is just something you have to practice and, and it will help. I, I really do believe that we can, we can build that muscle and it, it, it won't always feel quite so frustrating. The first thing to keep in mind is just that your body knows what to do. 
so much of anxiety is about getting so caught in our heads and thinking and thinking and thinking everything and it's the thinking that can get in the way of our body just doing what it naturally knows how to do babies naturally take these slow breaths from their diaphragm really easily you know so the first thing to remember is like when you're asleep your body keeps breathing it knows how to do it so first of all just kind of taking comfort and trust in that and just kind of you know trusting your body a little bit it can help to practice breathing lying down i find it most difficult when i'm just like standing straight um and and lying down i think your body can relax a little bit better so you might want to start practicing lying down and then there are two um, breathing techniques in particular that i like to practice and before i do either of them and just in general it's good to just sigh out the breath that you have just like totally release any breath that you have i think sometimes a lot of my feeling of not being able to get a breath or a full breath actually comes from not realizing that I'm holding on to my breath really tightly and not fully releasing. So it helps to just start by going like, and just sighing it out. Okay, so the first breathing technique that I like is alternate nostril breathing. And I first encountered this in a yoga class. There's tons of videos online, so you can definitely Google it. And I'll just give a really quick description now. Um, and you can try to follow along. So sigh out the breath, and then you're going to take the thumb of your right hand and cover your right nostril and breathe in through your left nostril for four counts. You're going to retain that breath for four counts as you take the ring finger of your right hand and cover your left nostril, lift your thumb off your right nostril, and now breathe out for four counts through your right nostril. Hold for four counts, and then breathe in for four counts through your right nostril. Hold for four counts, then cover your right nostril and breathe out through your left for four counts. Hold for four, breathe in your left nostril for four counts, and so on and so forth. I actually like to put a little bit of like a drop or two of lavender essential oil on my wrists um, rub them together before I do this. So then I'm actually breathing in that nice calming lavender scent as I'm doing the exercise. And you could do that with any scent that you find calming. So that's a good one. And another one is just a simple four, seven, eight breathing. So breathe in for four counts, retain the breath for seven, exhale for eight, hold for seven, inhale for four, and so on and so forth. What I've learned is that it's most important that you're exhaling longer than you're inhaling. Your heart rate increases a little bit when you're inhaling and it slows when you're exhaling. So maybe the counts of four, seven, eight aren't quite right for you, but just the idea of inhaling a few counts less than you're exhaling and also taking a, a pause in between the inhale and the exhale. So those practices I find helpful to do, you know, I haven't been doing them on a daily basis lately. For a while there I was. I probably, I, I think I could benefit from from practicing every day again. But those can just be really helpful when you need to calm your nervous system a little bit and it can kind of take, take, stop the mind chatter a little bit. My next tip is to arm yourself with positive distractions. This might sound really obvious, but 
if you're like me and you read a lot of self-help stuff and uh, you listen to different uh, spiritual leaders, um, you might run into this idea of distraction being a bad thing and how we should be, you know, we should really seek out silence and stillness. And I, I do believe that silence and stillness and kind of finding quiet and rest and not always multitasking and being distracted all the time is important. But I also think that there are times when it's really helpful to um, have some other things for your mind to focus on when you're in a stressful situation and you need to to refocus your attention away from all of the thoughts in your brain. I know for me, when I get anxious, the anxious thoughts very quickly start to snowball. I start to catastrophize and it's really helpful for me to just have some some things that I can focus on that will take my attention away from those snowballing thoughts. So I feel like distraction is kind of like a dirty word in self-help and spiritual circles sometimes, but I think it's more about having positive things to focus on. Um, And so for me, I know like in the airport and on the plane, my favorite things to focus on are music, interesting podcasts, books, and puzzles and snacks. (laughs) So, um, Uh, When it comes to music, I really like to listen to calming and soothing music when I'm in a state where I might be more anxious. So on Spotify, I really like listening to the Paper Kites radio and also Yoga Girl has a bunch of good playlists that I find very soothing. I listen to them on the plane while I am doing my Sudoku puzzles because I could do Sudoku for hours at a time. And and I do when I'm on the plane. I can literally sit there for two hours listening to my nice calming playlist, doing my Sudoku puzzle. Um, and I, I love puzzles. I think they're really good for my, my brain that tends toward anxiety and kind of obsessive thoughts and intrusive thoughts and things like that. Puzzles are like a great way to focus my attention. Um, and it's also good for me to have like some snacks so that if I start to feel like a little blood sugar dip, you know, for me, that tends to trigger anxiety sometimes. So it's good to ha- to know that I have some snacks in my bag and also, you know, losing yourself in a good novel is, is a, a great way to shift your attention. I do actually find it hard to read on airplanes sometimes um, just because I don't know all the people and sometimes it's dark and I don't I don't want to disturb my neighbor with the light or whatever. Um, But in the airport, I like to to pick up my novel. Okay, so number three is connected, I would say, to number two. Number three is don't make things more difficult for yourself than they need to be. Let things be okay. (laughs) So for instance, in the past, I feel like I've been harder on myself about like, well, I shouldn't need any distractions to calm myself. I should just be able to do it with meditation and breath work and you know, that's all fine and good. But at the same time, some of us are really wired to like have our bodies have been wired over the span of like decades um, to, to sense threat everywhere and to have a very hard time getting into a restful state. And there's really no need to make things more difficult for ourselves than they need to be. So if I was like, okay, I'm going to go on this plane and I'm 
not gonna, you know, download music ahead of time and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna download podcasts ahead of time. I mean, that's just making things more hard, harder for myself than they need to be. Um, and the thing with me is that I'll often start to think like worst case scenario, right? So, okay, but worst case scenario, what if I leave my, my, my book and my Sudoku puzzles in the airport and my phone dies so I can't listen to my music or podcast? Like if I need those distractions, then what am I going to do? I'm going to freak out. Okay, so the thing is like, if that happened, it would suck, but I would deal with it and I would cross that bridge when I got to it, but that's not actually what's happening. I'm making a problem where there isn't one. <laughs> and I feel like we do this in a lot of ways. Like we make things more difficult for ourselves than they need to be. So for instance, before the trip, like two nights before the trip, I became convinced that I did not have a proper pair of shoes for walking around on this trip. I was like, oh my gosh, I've worn, I do tend to kind of like use shoes and bags and clothing in general, like until it starts to fall apart. Um, and then I'm like, oh crap, uh, I don't really have a pair of shoes that isn't, that are, that don't have holes in them or whatever. But in my mind, this became like a giant problem. Like <laughs> I went to Marshall's and I was out to, for like two hours, like trying to find the perfect pair of walking shoes and then I was deciding like and you know what all of my clothing looks terrible too I need to get like a nice outfit or two because I always look so disheveled in photos from vacation so now I'm in a dressing room and now I'm like oh and I hate how everything looks on me and like whoa slow down <laughs> I was holding like I was creating these problems that were not real problems like if I was really checking in with my values and what's important to me like these things did not have to be weighing on me so heavily. Clearly, there was something else going on there. Um, so I think by holding ourselves, holding other people, holding the whole trip to really impossible standards, we create difficulty where there doesn't need to be difficulty. We create problems because nothing is measuring up and we are not measuring up. And it creates so much anxiety. And I do have to wonder sometimes if we're kind of creating these little problems because we're so afraid of bigger things that we can't control. We kind of want to create these smaller, bite-sized, more seemingly manageable problems to obsess over. Or maybe we want to feel justified in feeling stressed and anxious and worried when, you know, there isn't actually a tangible reason at the moment. It's just this looming anxiety. And so we want to like create a reason, a justification to ourselves and to other people for why we are worried. So I think a lot of that anxiety is exacerbated by judgment. And I think judgment can also cause anxiety. It's this like cyclical thing. So I think it's really helpful to notice when you're judging and take a, take a beat, take a pause. Um, so for instance, I noticed that I was spiraling out judging myself for my shoes, my clothing, my body. All of a sudden, like this trip was sending me into this downward thought spiral about how I look and how I feel about myself. And um, I think anxiety about things can just bring up a lot of these really root feelings of insecurity or not feeling good about ourselves. And so it's good to notice that. Um, and, and I am getting better at noticing it and stopping the storyline and not necessarily following it down the rabbit hole or believing everything. Um, so another example of like noticing judgment and then 
not not taking it at its word and not following it down the anxiety rabbit hole uh, would be once I was actually on the trip with Martin, he suggested like, hey, um, why don't we spend a night camping at a lookout in the Bitterroot National Forest? And I said, hmm, could I have some more details, please? And he said, sure. So it's about a two and a half mile hike to the lookout you know, pretty easy. And I was like, oh, two and a half miles. Yeah, that's not a lot. What's the elevation gain? And he said, um, like 2,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I said, um, what is the temperature going to be at night? Um, and he said, probably in the 20s. So for those of you who don't use the Fahrenheit system, that's well under freezing. And he said, you know, but there's a wood-burning stove in the, in the lookout. And I said, mm-hmm, no, uh, uh, no, thank you. I do not, I do not want to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, in the past, I would have immediately started judging myself. Like, you know, I should be someone who is adventurous enough and easygoing enough to just do this camping trip. I should be the type of girl who blah, blah, blah. And um, that really creates problems when you think and act that way because I undoubtedly would have been very anxious because I have really bad rain odds in my fingers and toes. I posted about this on my Insta story recently. Like, I lose feeling in my fingertips under 60 degrees. So we're talking about in the 20s, like, you know, I've been in places with a wood-burning stove before where the fire goes out in the middle of the night and you wake up freezing and you can't get the fire started. Like, I was not trying to do that. It would have made me very anxious and it wouldn't honestly have been worth it at that point. I would have gotten really cranky. I would have gotten really resentful towards Martin. I would have blamed him. You know, like it just would have turned into this terrible thing. And um, so it's, but, but, you know, like that, that little voice piped up for a second judging me like, oh, you know, you're so, you're so high maintenance, you're, you know, like, and very quickly this time, though, I was able to notice it, and I was able to think about past experiences, and how it's gone when I've listened to the voice of judgment, and tried to resist reality, (laughs) and resist what I know I actually want and need. It doesn't go well, so I think it's really good to notice when the, the really negative judgmental voice comes up, and just kind of like, just say thank you. You know, I, I've heard your opinion. I, I don't need it. I'm good. So my number five tip has to do with, you know, kind of stopping spiraling thinking in its tracks. When you're starting to stress and obsess about something going wrong with traveling, be honest with yourself about like, first of all, what are the odds of what you're worried about happening? But also what are the stakes? So this problem I had created in my mind about not having the right pair of shoes like what are the stakes of like wearing my my old sneakers on this trip (laughs) like I was acting like it was a really big problem but it's not like I didn't have one pair of shoes in my closet to wear on this trip right and other times like there might be other things you're worried about that are very 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 unlikely and it's really helpful to just ground yourself in facts sometimes i'm not saying that solves everything because i know firsthand that when you're really anxious like someone telling you oh don't worry about it that's not going to happen doesn't always work but i do think it can be helpful to just remember like if you're afraid of flying on an airplane it's good to keep in mind that airplane travel is really safe. It's safer than driving in a car. 
the like it's extremely rare that there are actually you know major problems with commercial flights like I, I do find it helpful to be able to remind myself of the reality um or for me, like if I'm worried about traveling alone and something bad happening and being alone, it's good to remind myself of like how many people there are around who could help if something went wrong, that I'm not like truly, truly alone in the world. <laughs> and that brings me to um, my next tip, number five, which is notice your guardian angels and be a guardian angel. So... When I was, um, I had to take a flight uh, from Newark to Salt Lake City, and then I was going to get a connection in Salt Lake City to fly to Missoula. And towards the end of that first flight, like I had been doing really well, and it was a long, it was a long day of travel. I I walked out of my house, I walked to the train station, I took two trains and a monorail to the airport terminal, got on the plane, flew to Salt Lake City. Towards the end of that first flight, I started to just feel really overheated and kind of queasy and shaky. I think I hadn't quite eaten enough and I'm, I'm very sensitive. I'm very sensitive, period. Uh, my body's very sensitive. Um, sensory, I can get overwhelmed in a sensory way pretty quickly and then my thoughts start to catastrophize. So, you know, I'm waiting for everyone to disembark off the plane. I'm really not feeling great. And... I step off the plane and I'm like, all I want right now is a ginger ale. Like, I think that would make me feel so much better. And the first food stand I see, the first thing I see there is a can of ginger ale. And I was like, thank you. And I get it. And I go and sit down at my gate and a young woman next to me is really nice and friendly. And she turns to me and and starts striking up conversation. And it totally redirected my focus. Like, she was so kind and you know, we were getting to know each other and I was like, oh, it's like a little guardian angel sitting here, like um, helping me to feel calmer and just more connected in a place where I didn't know anyone. And I was feeling kind of alone and anxious. And the funny thing was she turned to me towards the end of our conversation and was like, I'm so glad you sat down next to me. I was feeling really nervous. And it just reminded me that when we're anxious, it can be, it can make us really kind of self-absorbed and just kind of isolated and the world can feel so threatening and so scary. And there are real threats and dangers out in the world. I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, but there are also people who want to help and it's really good to notice. And it's also good to be that person out in the world. Like that can draw you out of your anxiety too. When I was in the train station earlier in the day, um, there was a man from Israel who needed help finding his way. And then there were two men from New Zealand um, who asked me for help finding their train. And it just reminded me like, especially when people are traveling, like a lot of people are feeling nervous, confused, lost, anxious, and we can help each other out. And it's really good to notice when you can help and to notice when people are helping you. And that brings me to um, my next tip. Notice what's going right and practice gratitude. So this starts for me with just the fact that I could even go on this trip, like feeling grateful that I have a job where I have paid vacation and that I could buy those plane tickets. Like that is something to be grateful for. I heard Elizabeth Gilbert say in an interview recently, she was being interviewed about her new novel, City of Girls. And 
the interviewer was saying, oh, you had to do so much research for this historical novel and you had to write all of these fictitious uh, press clippings and book. And she just kind of stopped them and said, no, no, I, I got to do that. <laughs> and I've, it's such a powerful mindset shifter to think, what do you get to do versus what do you have to do? Um, so instead of saying like, oh, I have, I have to go visit my boyfriend in Montana because he wants me to come like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky to A, have such a lovely person in my life who wants me to come see him and B, to have this opportunity to go. Um, and then even to think like, oh, I'm so lucky that I live close enough to the train station that I can walk there and I can take this train, um, to the airport and, and, you know, we spend so much time, or I'll speak for myself, I will often spend so much time worrying about something and then barely notice when it actually goes right. Like I'm so worried about it going wrong and I'll obsess over that for so long. And then if it actually doesn't go wrong, I barely notice. I just move on to the next thing I'm worried about. So I've started making it a practice of actually noticing when things go right, especially the things I'm worried about. So for each of my trains, like when the train came on time, I was like, oh, I'm so grateful this train came on time. It's not going to make me late to the airport. You know, none of my planes were delayed. That was awesome. I even thought to myself like, oh, how nice is it that I get to spend an uninterrupted couple of hours on the plane listening to music, doing a puzzle. You know, I don't typically sit around doing Sudoku puzzles at home, but I really enjoy doing that. So it's a really powerful reframing tool, I think. And and it's important to actually notice what's going right and to feel thankful for it, to note it. And in that moment, be like, oh, thank you. Now, having said that, while it is important to look for your guardian angels, to be a guardian angel, to feel gratitude, it's also really important to keep in mind the next tip, which is let yourself be a human being and remember that you're having an experience. You're not living a highlight reel. I think sometimes like we can put so much pressure on ourselves when we're traveling or we're on vacation to do it perfectly somehow and to feel super happy the entire time. Um, but the thing is, you're, you're a human being. Like <laughs> sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes you get cranky. Sometimes you get sick. Like things happen and, and you're not just going to be high the entire time just because you're away. I, I've read some interesting studies. I read somewhere that um, there was a study about happiness and vacation and um, the participants were asked to rate their happiness while on vacation. And then like a year or so later, they were asked to report how happy they were they had been on that vacation. And everyone reported being happier than they actually were on that vacation. Like we look back with rose-colored glasses. And I also read recently that there was a study that reported that the happiest part of a vacation is actually planning it. <laughs> that that we are happiest when we're planning and looking forward to a vacation. Um, and this could sound really depressing, but I actually take a lot of comfort in knowing that like you can't do it perfectly. No one does. Like it's it 
you don't have to put this pressure on yourself to be like super happy the entire time or or to, you know, sometimes we're so worried that we're not going to the right places or, you know, we're not doing enough or we're trying to do too much. Or I know for me, I'll get all existential like, oh, am I being present enough? Am I enjoying this enough? Oh, I feel so bad that I was being kind of cranky this morning. Like I'm on vacation. We're supposed to be having fun the entire time. I think it's really important to remember that yes, you're traveling, you're on vacation, you want to make the most of it, but you can you can't do everything. You can only do so much and chances are you're going to look back on it and remember all the really good stuff and feel good about it, you know? So I actually find that quite comforting and I try in those moments when I'm when I'm traveling, when I'm on vacation, if I'm feeling sad, you know, or if I'm if I'm feeling cranky, if I'm hungry, whatever, like it'll only prolong that feeling if we try to resist it, stuff it down, pretend we're not feeling that way. That's what can cast a shadow on like an entire day is when you're trying to resist and deny a feeling. You know, I've been practicing like turning to Martin and being like, I feel kind of sad right now because I just realized tomorrow's the last day, you know? (laughs) And then actually, like, you know, he'll give me a hug or whatever. And then I'll be like, oh, now I feel a little bit better. Um, it, it it helps to just, if if only to yourself to acknowledge it, maybe even share it with the person that you're with. And, um, and that will help it to pass. And my next tip is to use your sense of humor. Because, like I said, you are human. You're having an experience Um, maybe you're traveling with another person, there are going to be some snafus and you and your travel companion might have some moments of tension at times. I know that Martin and I are definitely calibrated at different speeds. Um, He would probably call mine Glacial and I would call him the Energizer Bunny. So he wants to do a lot of things. He wants to pack a lot in and I tend to go at a slower pace so that can bring up some tension some conflict sometimes and I really think the best diffuser is humor Um, sometimes it's just like taking a moment stepping away whatever but I do think like when one of us can get the other to crack a smile or a laugh or when we can laugh at ourselves the whole thing just feels a lot better I think it's really hard to laugh and be mad at the same time. (laughs) It's hard to laugh and be resentful. Um, And so if you're having a moment when your legs are tired from walking around the museum all day or you're hungry because your travel companion didn't want to stop at that last rest stop and now you're blaming them that your stomach is growling or you have to pee and you can't find a bathroom, whatever it is, it can really help to summon your sense of humor (laughs) and laugh it off and, uh, and move along. Okay, my last tip is to look forward lightly. So, you know, I mentioned that the happiest part of vacation, some people say, is the planning. I think that's really tough for people who experience anxiety. I know for me, you know, anxiety is all about fear of the future. And so it's really hard to feel excited about the future when you're just feeling so much fear about it. And I I think the fear sometimes is the anxiety is trying to protect ourselves from the vulnerability of hope, from the vulnerability of excitement, of looking forward to something and wanting so much for it to happen and being so afraid of being disappointed or of loss because we can't control the future. And so I think it's really important for us, 
when we experience a lot of anxiety, to practice being brave enough to be excited and to look forward to things. You know, like the week before I went out to visit Martin, we were talking on the phone and and he was like, are you excited for the trip? And and I was like, no, I, you know, I'm really stressed because I don't have the right shoes and blah, blah. You know, like I started telling him why I was stressed about the trip. And then I think a night or two later, he asked me again, like, are you excited about the trip? And this time I took a breath and I was like, I'm so excited about it that I'm scared. I'm so excited that I'm really scared something's going to happen to prevent me from going. I'm going to get sick or the flight's going to get canceled or something bad is going to happen because I want it so much and it's scary for me to feel that. And I felt so much better once I just like named that out loud and shared it with him. It was really powerful, you know. For a long time, I've used that emotional logic, that magical thinking of, well, if I just worry about something bad happening, then it won't happen. I can control it with my worry, but that's not true. And so again, it's about like grounding yourself in some realism and and talking to yourself and being like, that's not true. It doesn't work that way. So you may as well feel the happiness that you're so afraid of because this moment is what you have. The plans don't always go the way you expect them to or want them to. Montana got hit with like a crazy early cold and snow spell. Uh, We didn't get too much snow where we were, but it it was cold and we went to Glacier National Park and the tour road was closed and the the one like majestic viewpoint the the mountains were totally blocked by clouds I couldn't see a thing (laughs) you know like that just happens sometimes and you know we got a huckleberry milkshake and and we moved on to the next thing like it's okay you know that's just how life goes sometimes it's okay it's not going to be perfect but the important thing that I was with somebody that I love and And we got to have a lot of really beautiful moments. And some of those we didn't plan. One night um, at around dusk, Martin remembered that there's a place called Garden of 1000 Buddhas. And he drove me there. And I knew nothing about it. And it was not like on the itinerary. But we get there and it was this beautiful garden. Um you know, there's these open fields and these majestic mountains in the background. And there's this circular garden with 1,000 small white Buddha statues uh, surrounding a big, colorful statue in the middle. And it was beautiful. It was breathtaking. And it was so quiet. And it was lovely, you know. And that's a memory I'm always going to cherish. And that wasn't in the plans. <laughs> so it's like being open to the unexpected means... Yeah, being on it, being, you know, like things that you don't want or or aren't necessarily hoping for are going to happen sometimes, but also some really beautiful things are going to happen sometimes. Like there are going to be some really beautiful surprises sometimes. You know, in the past, I've been so ashamed of my anxiety that I've carried it around like this deep, dark secret I can't share with anyone. And it wasn't a very well kept secret because people could tell that I was worried but they didn't really know the real reason I was worried so you know Martin might have been able to tell 
you know, when he, when he asked me the first time, are you excited about the trip? And I was all stressed. He might've been like, oh wow, she seems really worried about her shoes. (laughs) But in reality, I was, I was scared of loss. Like I wanted to see him so badly. I wanted to go to Montana so badly. I, I wanted this experience so much and I was just so afraid of losing it. And I think that's a lot of what's underneath anxiety is like this deep fear of loss and acknowledging that to yourself and to a person or a few people that you're that you trust and that you feel safe with can go a really long way I felt a lot better after I told him that and then it can kind of free you up to be a little bit more open in the moment to enjoy things a little bit more not every second you're not going to enjoy every single second of everything all the time um but it can definitely shake off some of the the irritability the annoyance the tension when you can actually tap into like the soft heart so those are my tips (laughs) if you're going on a trip or if this has gotten you thinking about traveling i'd love to hear where you're headed or where you'd like to go Maybe you would like to come visit beautiful Madison, New Jersey, recently named number one town in New Jersey by New Jersey Monthly, Um, because I'm going to be hosting a live perennials show in Madison at Short Stories Bookshop and Community Hub on October 25th from 7 to 9 p.m. I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Jill Sermel from Drew University on the topic of, drumroll, The Psychology of Harry Potter. I know, it's very exciting. I mean, really, the Harry Potter series is all about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life with magic. So, if you want to come, there's more information on the website, perennials.podbean.com. On the left-hand side, click on Events. Or go to Facebook, find the Perennials Podcast, click on the event, RSVP. Let me know if you're coming. I would love to see you. Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast, and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit the Moon by Paul Finn.